episode two, NFC West preview. Uh, we just finished up doing the AFC West. We're just going to hop into the other conference here and check out what the Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, and the San Francisco 49ers are uh, up okay. to in this 2018. Uh, definitely a interesting division. Last year, the Rams kind of took it by storm. Uh, none of us really expected them to win. Or, or none of us expected the Rams to, to win the division last year, but Sean McVay historically turned around that offense, and with the down year from the Seahawks, which we did indeed uh, foresee coming, yes. and just uh, lackluster effort uh, from the Arizona Cardinals, and the 49ers really did not do much until Jimmy G came into town. So uh, once again... Would you guys like to guess uh, how you predicted this division to? Uh... I know, I know, we were high on the Cardinals. Um, I felt oh, a little geez, bit higher. I didn't want to know. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> tell, I'm gonna, tell me, how do you think you you guessed I this? I think team? that I said Seahawks, Cardinals, uh, Rams, Niners. What did I say? You said Cardinals, Seahawks, Niners, Rams. Jeez. I really. I, I, it, was, it sounds like my affinity for Cooper Cup did not did translate not, into no. some real. Uh, I I probably had what Cardinals. I had Cardinals, Seahawks, Niners, Rams. Yep. I? Yeah. Yeah, and I had the Cardinals, Seahawks, Niners, Rams as well. It really says something. We both hated the Seahawks, but we didn't hate them quite enough. Yeah, to, to put, put them over the the, the, the Niners, the Rams, or the Niners. Yeah. But I, I will say that I was. But I mean, um, this time last year, the Jared Goff hate was at a no. I was going to say. I, I, I will say, if you would ask me anything, I, I, I thought the Rams were a clear seller team last year, and I really didn't give McVay his due whatsoever, and I'll stand by that. Let's kick it off with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, obviously, they had a they started off, what, 0-10 or something like that? They had a really long winning yeah. streak. Bethard, Bethard yeah, C.J. Beathard and Brian Hoyer were uh, in there trying to right the ship, I guess. But the team was just lacking talent. But then Jimmy G came in. Went six and zero, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, once C.J. Beathard got hurt, they were forced to put Jimmy G in, and therefore their team started to do much better. Um, so now we're in the second year of the Shanahan John Lynch era. Um, it's been an interesting ride, I would say, so far with uh, you know less than uh, predictable personnel moves. You could say, you know, with at least with this year bringing in Jarek McKinnon. Um, they had the Reuben Foster scare, but he is only suspended for the first two games of the season now. And, I mean, really this team kind of went from not really having a clear path to being in the hunt for one of the top quarterbacks of the 2018 draft to all of a sudden now having the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Whether or not you think he deserves it or not, but that's the going rate for quarterbacks in the NFL these days. And Matt Ryan eclipses. And the well, oh, he did? Yeah. the okay. highest pay that it changes every day or yeah. whatever. But we can say the the quarterback that I guess everyone since there he hasn't lost a game as a starting no. quarterback in the NFL. He's what seven and zero or whatever, right? Because he got injured in that second Patriots game, but. The quarterback that, at least in our, I think in my life, I've never really seen a, a guy that has done Less. so little, I guess comparatively, and been held to such a high standard. Yeah. He, he obviously has gone 7-0. and He hasn't lost a game. He showed some great leadership qualities and some great ability. But we're still talking about a guy who started seven games and who's, who's kind of still fresh in the league a little bit. I would say this, just a lot of it, though, just comes from him being in New England. Yeah, and sitting behind Brady, learning from Belichick. That's why I think you know 
the the expectations are so high, and it's it's possible, you know. And now with the contract, they're rightfully well. There. To, to be fair, though, I mean, I I th- I'm I'm pretty high on Jimmy G, but like the New England stuff obviously factors into it. But he played great for the, like on a pretty mediocre 49ers team, and like really like they beat the Jaguars. That was uh, he played great mm-hmm. in that. They game. looked really good. They looked yes. like they, he made everyone yeah, around him better. Definitely. He really did. And I don't want to take anything away from him. I was just saying I haven't seen someone. He's being regarded to no, in some to. circles as an elite quarterback already. I'm yeah. just saying, like yes, there are people who. So it's like it's interesting because the jury still is kind of out on him in a way. But he has he, he has proven on this in the small space that he's had to prove. He has proven about as much as you can in that small space. But I think that this is a one of the more interesting teams kind of coming into. I really liked Mike McGlinchey pick. Yeah, I thought that was a really really good pick. Um, you know, just bring in a dude to solidify your O-line and let Jimmy G go to work. You know, mm-hmm. I, you need to start building around him. He's your guy. Um, so I thought that was a really great pick, especially because McGlinchey has the potential to play left tackle, and Joe Staley has been in this league a long time. Yeah. And, you know, it opens up, you know, the potential for him to move over to left tackle when Joe Staley uh, decides to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought in uh, Weston Richburg over from New York. <clears throat> um, so... You know, he's at center now. Lake and Tomlinson, not a big fan of. He's had a little bit of a resurgence in the I, Bay. Apparently, <laughs> I, I wasn't really paying attention, but apparently he got a contract extension, but whatever. Um, I do really like also George Kittle. He's my boy. He's yeah. great, man. Um, so I think he could potentially have a pretty pretty nice season at tight end for them to complement their um, weapons at receiver, which is Pierre Garcon, very solid uh, receiver. Tommy and I like Marquise Goodwin. Lee's not that big of a fan, I guess. Uh, the Dante Pettis pick was questionable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I kind of want to give you some feedback on the McGlinchey thing. I didn't pick. I didn't think it was a bad pick by any means. But again, it was kind of like how they drafted Solomon Thomas at three last year when Jamal Adams was on the board, and like they passed players who I thought could make an impact like more right away. Like they passed up on. Uh, they passed up on Isaiah Oliver, who obviously like. But they passed up on a corner. They got Richard Sherman, so they obviously think that's going to work. But they didn't get Derwin James. They didn't draft uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds. For, like, they have some holes at linebacker. Obviously, Reuben Foster's case being cleared up. Uh, yeah, but they needed, a a ta- they needed a tackle. No, they did. Too, but so. like, McGlinchey, I think, is definitely going to be a right tackle in the NFL. But I don't know if – I just don't if that was necessarily – Yeah, I don't see it that – I mean, it's not a bad pick by any means. Like, McGlinchey's – his floor is a starting NFL right tackle, I think. I don't know how high his ceiling is. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a left tackle in the NFL, but it's not a bad pick. It's just kind of a system pick almost, and I think they left a little talent on the bar- board. That being said, though, um, it's my the whole takeaway for me coming out of this is it's going to kind of come down to Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G um, and their D kind of playing bend, don't break a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, slowly falling in love with the 49ers a little bit. My big thing with this team that I don't like is, like, what you just said. Their receivers are awful, in my opinion. It's, like, an awful yeah. crop awful crop of receivers. Like, I know you guys like Marquise Goodwin. He's, he's nothing, not a number two receiver. He's nothing more to me than, like, a really, really fast guy who's going to get, like, three touchdowns. He's a bit of a guy. He's, like, going to – but he's, he's not – he'll get, like, three touchdowns a year probably. Like, he's not really going to get like, – he's not going to do much for you. He's not going to, like, catch meaningful balls across the middle. Could be a possible landing spot for Dez. 
Uh, I don't really know because I think Pierre Garçon's yeah. better than Daz. And I think they're similar receivers because they're both guys that are kind of over their hill a little bit. And they're possession receivers who aren't going to burn you out and can't run extremely good routes. I think Trent Taylor is like a decent third option, but we're talking about Trent Taylor. And then Dante Pettis, like – there were other receivers. Could yeah. they not have gotten Anthony Miller? They could have. A guy that we all... Yeah, but I'm, 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 Anthony Miller Maybe. does a lot more for me than Pettis does. I really just think that... I mean, the whole crop of receivers together, it's like, all right, I guess. But Jimmy G really doesn't have too much to throw to. And then offensively, it's like... You get rid of Hyde, Carlos Hyde, which I understand where they were at. He was at odds with the franchise a little bit, and bring in Jarek McKinnon. I think it's going to be interesting to see their whole running back dynamic. Yeah, because I mean, Jarek McKinnon is now one of the more high, like was the top five pay running back. You know? Well, yeah, and, and we saw what Breida could do last year. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting. I, I like the whole two-headed monster at running back idea with McKinnon and Breida, and I love. They're my similar man, players. My man Joe Breida. Williams at third string running back from yeah. Utah, man, that guy gets after it too. So they're gonna, they have dudes who can tote the rock a little bit. Use chicks the best fullback in the league. So I think that their offense is like forming around being a really solid offense. It's kind of is a little bit like Patriots-esque to yeah. me with Garoppolo, but the receivers really do nothing well, yeah, for Let's it. just go back to that Dante Pettis pick for, for a second. I pulled up the draft, the second round of the draft. He was the first receiver, or sorry, the second receiver taken in the, in the uh, second round, and guys that were taken after him, Christian Kirk, Anthony. Uh, Anthony Miller. Yeah. You had DJ Chark and James Washington, too. And so... I would venture to say all four of those guys yeah, I'd rather I would have than I would, Dante Pettis. I would I potentially say And that, that may yeah. just be all of us being Pettis haters yeah. and not watching enough Pac-12 football, but I just think Pettis is kind of like... He just doesn't do that much for me. He's, he, I, I, he's, he's, he's a punt returner. He's, yeah, he's a punt returner. He's, he's like, like a gadget player, I think, kind of. And, and, but... I just don't – he doesn't have that high He's just like a worse version of John Ross kind of yeah. to me. Yeah. I feel like in that Washington offense, I don't know. I mean, we all could be, you know, not knowing what we're saying here. But uh, I just think that the receivers are, are super suspect. And then but, – but the whole offense around them, like you said, Kittle's really good. Uh, I think they got a little bit of depth at tight end. I mean, they were a team, too, that tried to go after um, Allen Robinson. Yep, but yeah. they lost him to the Bears. See, I think that would have been a really good pickup for yeah. them. I think that would have solidified them as like a really good offense. I just think they're missing that receiver. But then again, Jimmy G could create the magic that people expect him yeah. to create and just make the receivers good, kind of. And it could be like one of those random Rams kind of situations where it's like, oh, Pettis is playing well, and Aldrick Robinson's getting getting some catches, and Trent Taylor's playing well, and then we hit you over the top with Goodwin, and Garcon's getting his targets too. So it could be one of those spread the wealth things. But uh, I, I, the receivers scare me, and then this, this D line needs to get after it this year. You know, they really Eric do. Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, three straight first round picks from three straight drafts. They all need. There's I mean, no excuse. Yeah. No, there's no. DeForest excuse. DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas, I think, need to be in the ten sack range. And I think I, I'm a big. I'm bullish on DeForest Buckner this year. I really think he can have a breakout campaign to put himself amongst the top names as far as you know D linemen go with interior guys like Aaron Donald. And yeah, I think I, I really think he can put them himself in in that kind of air. Fletcher Cox, like I think he yeah. can be that. Well, he's kind of a unicorn. He's like six seven, yeah. and he's a freak athlete. Yeah. I keep hearing people say that, but it's like I need to see it. I need to see yeah, it happen. I, yeah, but I mean, uh, I think he has the chance to do that. Um, obviously, Reuben Foster is suspended for the first two games, but he's in pretty. Solid Mike linebacker, if, if better than solid. Yeah. Malcolm Smith is a solid will guy. Um, you know, you brought in Sherman, who can be. You know, this this the front seven is pretty young, so I like bringing in Sherman just to 
you know, and him from you know, and Malcolm Smith too from Seattle. Yeah, you know, he he can just be like an alpha guy, even if he isn't the same player he used to be. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, Akella Witherspoon had a pretty decent um, campaign as a rookie corner from uh, Colorado. He showed some promise. I still think they're lacking a little bit at yeah, the safety positions. No, they um, They did get bring into various more. I think he's from Southern Miss, and I really like him. He's a burner. So he was a, a guy that I really liked yeah. as a mid-round pick. So that that's an interesting pickup for them that I'm looking to yeah. see if he'll do anything in the preseason that catches anyone's eye. But. I'd also I don't know when they got Tavares McFadden, but he was a five-star recruit coming yeah. out of high school, and he did he got burnt a lot at Florida Is State. He undrafted, but I, I don't was. know. No, I think he he showed because he showed a lot at Florida State too. He was he guarded the best guy on a regular basis on the other team. So I I, I don't I couldn't see him being undrafted, but who knows. <laughs> My whole thing that I just real quickly want to say about the whole Richard Sherman signing is you kind of touched on it is this is just a guy who's won a Super Bowl is ultra competitive and is going to demand the best from all of his young teammates. So you're going to see a little bit of a of a or not a defensive alpha like you said who's going to like Jimmy G on the offensive side make people around him better and a lot of guys are going to want to win for Sherman and and, and for uh, Malcolm Smith the older guys in the team. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll give my, my final take when we get into the division uh, previews, but I think this definitely is a this, – this team just screams kind of like a system fit where it's mm-hmm. like a Patriots-type team where they have their quarterback and it's kind of going to, like I said, coming down to Jimmy G uh, executing Kyle Shanahan's game plan because having Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida, that like, that's two dynamic running backs mm-hmm. that you could have who both can run the ball and catch the ball, uh, so can do wonders for both your passing and your run game. Let's jump on over to the Arizona Cardinals, who they made their big splash by moving up in the draft, and they didn't even have to give up a first-round pick, which I thought was really, really good, and landed uh, the apple of their eye, Josh Chosen Rosen from from UCLA. He has ties to the back judge. Uh, he's uh, seems to be. He wouldn't uh, know. He wouldn't know that he had ties yeah. to the back judge. But he, but he's got ties to the back judge, whether he likes it or not. So there are ties there, and uh, I think that, like you said, I can't argue. What an incredible move by the Cardinals to just find their guy, see their guy, and go up and get him. Kind of, yeah. Just be able to snatch him and and, and get a franchise quarterback and out of it. We were talking before the draft about how the Cardinals, and then this is before the whole Jameis Winston suspension kind of came down. So this is. That, you know, take has kind of changed. But they were really the only team in the NFC to me pre-draft that didn't have some semblance of a quarterback plan. You know, they, they signed yeah. Sam Bradford, but and that's Glennon, not yeah. long-term. And, and Mike Glennon. But, yeah. you know, before the draft, they really were directionless. And at least now, I don't think any of us are expecting the Cardinals to do good, great things in 2018. But at least as a Cardinals fan... You know, you hope that Josh Rosen plays a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can see him grow. You have a new head coach in Steve Wilkes coming over from uh, Carolina. Carolina. And so you have things that at least it seems like you have moved on from the Bruce Arians era mm-hmm. yeah. at, at, at somewhat. You know, in, you know, with your second-round pick, you brought in Christian Kirk, you know, to be Josh Rosen's— Arizona you know, boy. Arizona, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, to, some to kind of bolster the— you know, weapons around him because at one point this receiver core was heralded as one of the best in the league with Michael Floyd, Larry Fitzgerald, and uh, John Brown. Yeah. And you know, none of that has really panned out other than Larry Fitzgerald, obviously, just continuing to uh, be one of the best, be ever. one of the best ever yeah. consistently. Um, I like Bryce Butler from Dallas. He's kind of a big play guy, hit or miss yeah. a little bit, but uh, I think he's a nice, 
Nice addition. I'm looking to see a lot from Chad Williams this yep. year. Grant, second round pick, I think, from Grambling, Maryland State yep. last year. So, uh, he's a burner. He's a guy, mm-hmm. I think, 4-3 guy who is definitely going to get his targets this year. And with Christian Kirk kind of coming underneath, I think Chad Williams could have a breakout year. David Johnson will be back, too. Yeah, David Johnson big. is a guy who was, who was probably the best football player in the league a year ago. Yeah, I mean, at least yeah. one of them. And uh, that, that's another dude that you're bringing back. My whole thing, just quickly sifting over the roster, is like, why would you not start Rosen? That's like my, the reason I, you don't start him is because this offensive line is horrible. Yeah, and I, he's going to get killed. Yeah. and the the thing is, Sam Bradford probably won't last more than five weeks. But this this offensive line is really something to be concerned about. DJ Humphreys is a dude who's starting at left tackle for them, who really hasn't lived up to the hype. Mike Ayupati is a good player, but he's has some injury issues, and he's getting old. P- Justin Pugh is nothing great, and Andre Smith is. Uh, Flabby, flabby tits. Yeah, like fat tits from uh, the Deadspin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, Cincinnati Bengals hit piece. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I think this offensive oh. line's bad. I don't think it's like dismal. I don't think it's, Rosen's gonna yeah. get. It's like I don't think he's gonna die if he's still like start Rosen. That's your, that's your dude. <laughs> you have these young receivers. Like, there's something to be excited about. Get him some snaps. You know, you're not gonna make the playoffs this year. I understand the offensive line isn't great by any means, and I'm not arguing that. But this is not an offensive line that's just gonna fall over. Like Humphreys. Yeah, he hasn't lived up to the potential. He's still a big body that has proven he can play left tackle in the league. Upati is obviously getting old, but has been so solid his whole career. Pugh is, is decent. Like, I don't even really know too much about A.Q. Shipley. I, I, I'm not going to pretend I do. And Andre Smith is just like, he's bad. He's a yeah. bad right tackle. So the offensive line's not good, but it's like, you're not always going to have a great offensive line. you got one of the best running backs in the league. you got an exciting young receiving core in some ways with Kirk and Williams. And then you have Larry Fitzgerald as a go-to guy. I like Ricky Seals-Jones as a big target at tight end. Let Rosen get some snaps. I don't know, maybe not week one, but this guy should be seeing the field sooner he than should, later. Yeah. Because he, he, he needs strikes, I mean, he strikes me as a guy who isn't necessarily going to do much by like learn much by sitting on the bench. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not exactly. He's not a project dude like Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Or, you know where they really need to time to get their practice reps in. Yeah, I think and, Rosen's going to be on top of the playbook early yeah. and, and know what's going on. I really he, think he's. I think he cerebral. was like the most pro ready quarterback out of all the quarterbacks coming in in terms of like if you needed a guy to start week one. I think he was that guy. I really like liked what the Cardinals did in the draft, especially in the first three rounds. I mean, they got the guy in Rosen, who I thought was the second-best quarterback in the draft, and they got Christian Kirk, who, I mean, the receivers were kind of weird this year in the draft, but I definitely think that Christian Kirk, at the very least, is going to be a very good number two receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, had, was always kind of consistent in college from when he was a freshman. He was a stud. Uh, and then Mason Cole from Michigan as a guard coming in who could play center, too. Uh, that kind of is a nice little rotational piece. We already talked about how their offensive line is pretty underwhelming. But still, all in all, um, I mean, this is going to be a super, super interesting year for Arizona. Uh, a lot of stuff is going to have to go right if they're going to be successful. It's a prove-it year for Incomdiche, who kind of has been underwhelming. Yeah, I, I do think their defense could be competitive. No, it could. Bring with Steve Wilkes, a defensive mind, coming in. They have it, a piece at each level, at least. I mean, Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones are a really good uh, pass-rushing duo. Hassan Reddick is a guy you brought in last year who is a bit of a project, but he's shown flashes and in his second year is someone you expect to contribute full-time as a starter. Buda Baker is, has moments, too, and is almost well, like the Honey Badger 2.0 now that uh, he's gone. That was so, part of the reason why they were yeah. able to get rid of Tyron Matthews because of how Buda Baker looked really good last year, I think, for the, in limited snaps. So. Yeah, I think... I don't think the defense is that exciting. I think Wilkes has really got his hands full with this defense, honestly. Because it's, it's I think it's a lot of guys where it's kind of like... You have an elite rusher, though, in Chandler yeah. Jones. 
You do, and yeah. You, Chandler you have an elite Marcus cover Golden guy is also and, and, good and, and Golden's been good, but it's like these picks of these kind of like drifters in a way where it's like you don't necessarily know where to put him with Redick and like Golden, I guess, has found a home at end. And then Kim Diche, it's like, are we going to put him in the middle? I guess we're putting him in the middle. He's got a lot to prove there. Patrick Peterson's getting old. You lost Tyron Matthew. I know he had some injury issues, but I think that Patrick Peterson's getting old is a little bit of a slight, I think. It is. And I know he's getting he's old, but I mean, old, but he's still he's still one of the best corners in the NFL. I he's think. 28. Yeah, I mean, so, he's not that old. I, 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 I mean, I guess I kind of have forgotten about him amongst the maybe that's just because Arizona wasn't too relevant last year, but just because I, I just think that I think Wilkes is going to do a lot of work with the defense, but I don't know. I think that Bethea's. I saw, I think something to worry about at at the free safety. He's he's another dude who is getting old. I think and. Uh, the corners, besides Peterson, are just kind of pretty underwhelming. Average, I think. Yeah. Oh, less than uh, average. Benny Benwickery is not a. I mean, he's a guy from Carolina and Dallas who just has been a journeyman who. He's an expectation. Below piece. average. The starting middle backer is Josh Bynes right now. I, I and. Uh, I love Dion Buchanan a lot. I think Reddick has a lot to prove, but there are some kind of weird things here in Arizona. They have a lot of stuff that I like, and maybe if they were in a little bit worse of a division, just because I view all three other teams in a little bit higher esteem than them, I think they could make a push just because David Johnson was arguably the best football player uh, two years ago, so they have one of the better running backs in the NFL, um, and they have a a solid defense with a defensive-minded coach, it's just going to kind of come down to how yeah. what they're going to make out of that. But Definitely like them a little bit more after like looking yeah, at I, I agree. Now, I I think, yeah, things aren't as hopeless as I had presumed. And, uh, I think that it's definitely the move to get Rosen in, not necessarily as soon as possible, but I think the sooner the better. I'd like them to play more than half the season. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I was thinking like week four or well, three. Well, it depends like how – what happens with Bradford, but we all thought this team was going to be better last year and they ended up being an eight-win team. And then I kind of think that's, like, their ceiling this year. It's like yeah. if they have a good year, it's like an eight- or yeah. nine-win team. Yeah, no, I, I don't see them going into anyone's house and burning them up a little at all. So Let's jump up to Seattle. The organizational hubris continued when they picked Rashad Penny in the first round of the draft, the worst pick in the draft. Their biggest problem last year was pass rushing, and in the first round they took a running back who consistently proved that he could not be an effective pass protector. So I don't understand what that pick was, especially at Sony Michelle on the board if you're going to go running back. But then at the same time, there was plenty of corners and safeties available, and you knew that Cam Chancellor and, and Earl Thomas might not be on your team this next season. You knew that Sherman was gone. I just didn't understand that pick whatsoever. I understand the need for running back. I'm not saying it wasn't a need on your team. I'm just, like, for a first-round pick when you know that late-round running backs can contribute in their rookie seasons, I just thought that was a ridiculous pick. Um, But, I mean, other than that, their offensive line is much better looking now than it was last year. They brought in Dwayne Brown halfway through the season. Ethan Pochitz was a second-round pick. Justin Britt is a pretty good tackle. They gave him a nice extension this year. You brought in DJ Fluker, who, I mean, he hasn't exactly lived up to the hype as a first-round pick, but I think he can be a good guard for you. I mean, he's not going to be bad, as bad as Luke Jokel was. And Jermaine Effetti is just a bad right tackle, as you were saying with Andre Mm -hmm. Smith. That's not going to really change. But, 
I mean, you have Willie Beavers from Western, Mike Mayock's guy. So maybe yeah, can, Willie Beavers. Maybe he can come in and, and make a play for that starting right tackle spot for sure. But. And while you're on the line, I do want to say that I think the Jamarco Jones pick was good. I think he's a guy from Ohio State. I think he's 6'4", 305 or something in that ballpark. He can step in at guard or maybe even be a small tackle for you as the season goes on and guys get injured and whatnot. I do agree that Rashad Penny pick was not a good pick. I don't. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was the worst pick in the draft, but you definitely have your reasons and they're hard to argue with. Uh, I don't think that that was the smartest move for them to, to make, but I guess that that was their guy. I guess they yeah. were saying, you know what, this is our running back. We want him. Just so like D1 Leak was here. their guy. I think that they have a lot of young dudes who are ready to get after it, but I don't think that young dudes who are ready to get after it necessarily translates to wins in the NFL. And I, I think Pete Carroll's a great coach, and I think that they've kind of shoot out the era of players that are still mad at Pete Carroll for the decision yeah. the decision he made in 2014 in the Super Bowl to throw or whatever you know we don't have to get into it but I think that there's kind of a new young group of exciting guys you got the Griffin bros now you know I, I know Earl Thomas I think there's going to be a move made one way or another where he might not be on the team week six yeah, so, I mean but the thing is looking at this team I think the Seahawks would be stupid to get rid of them because, I mean, their secondary is in shambles currently. I, I mean, you lost your two big guys in, in uh, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, and you're rolling with Shaquille Griffin, who is promising, but he's a young dude, by no means proven. Earl Thomas is an elite player, and he's one of the last like elite players, I think, really remaining on this defense outside of Bobby Wagner. But, I mean, this defense used to have just dudes up and down the you know yeah. the, the roster and it's not really like that anymore. Yeah. So just to get to you know to say goodbye to you know a guy who's still elite, I just don't really understand the, yeah. the logic behind that. But it hasn't happened yet, so yeah. he as as of now he's still on the roster. Um, Is he gonna go to training camp? Because isn't there isn't he holding out right now? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if the deal is there. I think I thought he was there. I thought, I thought he, was he was holding out because he he wants to get paid more, but. Yeah. Either way, just to kind of for me to take the reins here, um, I this is the worst that the Seahawks have been like on paper in a long time. I mean, even last year when we were kind of starting to see that this potentially was the beginning of a decline for them. The th- one thing I do know is they have Russell Wilson, who la- I mean, last year just proved to me that like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I always kind of had a little bit of a bias to to him and his Phil Mickelson antics <laughs> and the impression that he gives me, but. I know this team is going to compete. That's what Pete Carroll preaches. It's all about competition. Um, so uh, this team, despite not having the same talent that they usually have, I still think this team could sneak into the playoffs and is probably looking at a 7-9 win season. And I kind of like that they got rid of Jimmy Graham. That thing was never really working out, no, it seems wasn't. like. And they brought in uh, Ed Dixon from Carolina, who's – a more than suitable um, tight end just as a guy who can go out there week in and week out and make a few plays for you every once in a while if you need it. And um, I, I like the Brand, bring in Brandon Marshall. He had a really terrible year in New York, but, I mean, everyone had a terrible year there. So it'll be interesting to see if he can really do anything. I mean, this is definitely his last chance, I think. Yeah. Um, and they also brought back Byron Maxwell. So, yeah. you know, that's a nice veteran presence at corner, a guy who's familiar with the Seahawks system, has made his way back to Seattle after his – tour around the, the league with Miami and Philly, getting those good old Legion of Boom contracts. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, there's definitely things here that are um, it's, somewhat it's, promising it, for them. Well, I just wanted to say, in reference to the Earl Thomas uh, thing, they did draft Tedrick Thompson last year from Colorado, I believe, and they got Delano Hill, too. So they have, like, young safeties in, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. They, they, I just think if you're – if he – 
if, if this is just going to continue to become a toxic situation, and this is like one of the weird, I mean, as a Cowboys fan, I'm, I'm going to be objective here. Like his whole love for the Cowboys is super weird. And like Cliff Averill was just on the radio, uh, like in local Seattle radio, talking about how Earl Thomas would leave, like rush out of practice on Monday night to like watch the Cowboys. Like he uh, is open. Like he's like, oh yeah, everyone knows that Earl loves the Cowboys. It's just like a weird Weird dynamic going on there. Like, he went up to Jason Garrett after their game and said, Come get me. Come get me. Like, it just, he obviously wants to play for the Cowboys. And it's just like, it's going to be a toxic situation, especially if they're not winning. Yeah. Earl Thomas has been out before. Cam Chancellor's been out before. Richard Sherman's been out before. Cam Chancellor's done. No, no, no. I'm saying they've all been out with injuries. Like, these these are all guys, and not just like a couple week injuries. These are all guys who have been out for like extended periods of time. So, all these dudes playing under them, although we don't know them that well, they've all had reps and like proven, because Seattle's still been competitive with these their guys injured. Mm -hmm. So these are all guys that I think are ready to step in in a way. So I still think Seattle is definitely going to be able to compete like on a really high level. Also due to their D-line, I like love Frank Clark. I think he's another dude who's really going to get after it. Rasheem Green, a guy from USC on the other end who I've been hearing decent things about, at least from camps. Jerome Reed and and Nazir Jones are a nice little uh, young defensive tackle tandem. I like like that a lot. And, you know, Nazir Jones is definitely more of a explosive – pass rusher type athlete and Jaron Reed kind of just comes from that Bama yeah. run stuffer mold. Yeah. So And as excited and, as we're getting about Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners, they still have the best quarterback in the division. And I coach, yeah. I would still and, say. And yeah. coach, yeah. yeah I, I would agree with that well, too. Let's jump up to the yeah. division winners. The Los Angeles Rams, like we said, took the division by storm last year. Absolutely. Um, definitely proved us all wrong. The system that Sean McVay has created and you know his offense is – is definitely why this team rose to the heights they did last year. And Wade Phillips' defensive. And, well, so I, I did just put a little, not a hit piece, but, uh, you know, just a little you know NFL commentary on the Backjudge website about how you need to stop, you need to pump the brakes a little bit on this Sean McVay as, as the next coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, the thing, if you, if you look at it in a vacuum, the – Los Angeles Rams put up 13 points in a home wild card game against the Atlanta Falcons and lost. That you know they won the NFC West. That was great for them. They scored the most points. Like they went from the worst offense in the NFL to the best offense in the NFL on a points per game and yards per game basis. And that was the first time in NFL history that ever happened before. So what they did was historic. But then when it came to like having that home playoff game, they really just faltered. Like it just did not work. They went up against an experienced team like the Falcons, who had been there before, and just lost. This idea that Sean McVay is just like a god, and it's like he hasn't really done much yet. It's almost like what you were saying with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, it's like we're getting all these like you know. People talking about him like he's, you know, the greatest quarterback ever, but in reality, he's won seven games. So that's kind of how I'm feeling about Sean McVay, especially because, you know, he has Wade Phillips, who could be an NFL coach. He just kind of doesn't really want to at this point in his career because he's older and just, like, loves defense. Sean McVay doesn't have to put one ounce of his brain power towards defensive game planning Mm -hmm. during a game, you know, during a prep week. So... I mean, this isn't to say that I don't think Sean McVay is a good coach because I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great motivator of people. I'd probably take him over Matt Patricia. I'm just saying that, like, it was one year. Every year, if you just expect the same thing to happen in the NFL, you're, you're just going to get burned. Yeah, you're you're going to get absolutely burned. So um, I just think that, too, with the schedule that the Rams have this year, last year they benefited from playing a fourth-place schedule. Yeah. you know, And this year they're going to play a first-place schedule, and that includes the Seahawks, and I think they have to play the Patriots. They have to play the NFC North, the Packers. And so 
it's just the and the Vikings and the Lions mm-hmm. and like yeah. it's not an easy schedule for the them Bears. this year and the the Bears might even be frisky. I, I don't remember exactly what the first you know eight games were, but I could easily see them starting three and five, yeah. two and six. Yeah, yeah. Like on, but I mean we can let's get into the let's, roster yeah, a little bit before we talk about the schedule and stuff. I mean in terms of you know dudes that they drafted, they kind of took a different approach to the offseason this year and traded their draft picks for proven players who, even though you're going to have to pay them in a few years, you're taking proven commodities. Like So they traded their first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. They traded their second-round pick for Marcus Peters. So you know they didn't have a pick until the third round this year. Uh, so that was definitely an interesting uh, strategy that Les Snead took. Those are two huge additions to this team that uh, will definitely make a difference. Yeah, well, I mean, they definitely took like, – an NBA approach to yeah. just they signed Sue, they brought in Marcus Peters, they brought in Aqib Tlaib, they brought in proven dudes. I mean, like you were mentioning with uh, Brandon Cooks, they on paper have one of the most talented teams in the NFL. I mean, Adam and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, how just in terms of game planning for their defensive line, where it's like you're used to double teaming Aaron Donald, and now you're just going to give Indomik and Sue a single uh, a single dude matchup, and it's like how are you going to be able to run successfully? Like how are you going to be able to get 80 to 100 yards? I mean, it's just going to be tough because, I mean, well, you're going to have to this, – this is just assuming that Sue's going to be able to have the same output. That, I mean, well, no, 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 no. I'm not even – I'm just saying you know that Adamic and Sue is going to at the very least be able to stop a run. Like, yeah. he can do that in his sleep they're also he's a freak. They're also paying Sue and not paying Aaron. Like, the, the whole situation is just weird. Like, they're not paying Aaron Donald. They still haven't come to terms on a contract with Aaron Donald. Like, he's holding out. Is he not? Yeah. They want to get a deal done, though. They, like, they, they can say they want to get a deal done all they want. The reality is that they paid Adamic and Sue a lot. Lot of money to come in and play the same position that Aaron Donald's playing, For basically, or play right next to him. And it's they're bringing the keys. They to also lead. lost Robert Quinn, and so they're a little weak, at least on the edges. Right I just, now. I just With, don't. Their their mentality, their offseason mentality was basically like we're gonna bring in a bunch of older stars, basically on our defense, and then we're just gonna yeah. have a ton of draft picks in the later rounds. They have, they have, I think they definitely had the most draft picks in the draft, and I and I don't think they had. A draft pick in the set first or second round, no, they if I'm not mistaken. So it was a third on, and they basically just had a ton of draft picks. dudes. And they, they just, yeah, they just brought in a bunch of dudes. We're looking at a team who, like Adam said, they did, they overperformed last year. They had a fourth place schedule. They have Jared Goff as their quarterback, who I don't think anyone in this room believes in whatsoever. He's not proven yet by any means. He's definitely a system dude. Like, he's a guy who we saw in his first year just suffer immensely under I mean they, he couldn't really make plays for himself and obviously that coaching situation was a disaster but I think he's just kind of a guy who might just be a system quarterback like it, it, the system is what it does and if the system's good then he can facilitate yeah you know, he's like, like he's like a, he's just like a little bit of a point guard he's not necessarily like yeah. but he's but he's getting assists he he's will never he will never take over a game no I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think but, and I, I think proof of that was in that Redskins game in week two where he literally gave the ball to uh, I don't even know who well those are just that's just him throwing a timing route too late basically like, yeah because that's their offense was basically just him throwing and he has all the talent I mean he can throw the he can put the ball pretty much anywhere I mean he has a hell of an arm and like a good, but I just don't know where his mind's at. Sometimes. Yeah, and I just wanted to say real quick, I, there's not much merit to this, but I, I, for people to expect that Todd Gurley is just going to be like this star that he is, it's like I understand he's really good and he's 24, but him talking about how he wants to make 80 million bucks, like he's jealous of the NBA contracts, it's like, dude, you're a running back in the NFL. Like, you recognize your lifespan. I know you had an incredible year last year, but to just like you said. With teams expecting the same output and saying on paper, on paper this, on paper that, it's like 
at a certain point, the, a dude needs to be consistent. And Gurley can prove that he can be consistent, but he, he does have injuries in his past, and I don't know if this is just going to be this plug-and-play offense that's just going to be super effective every year, especially with, like you said, Adam, again, the schedule that they're having. And defensively, I think Aqib Tlaib has proven that he's one of the better corners in the league, another dude who's getting older. The only other thing I would like to say before I finish this spiel and Tommy, you can take over, is Marcus Peters is an unbelievable cornerback. I don't know how great of a locker room guy he is. And I think that's why Kansas City gave him yeah. up so easily, kind of. is because Roy for a fifth-round pick. It's like, uh, what, he, there has to be something there. He, he He's just, there were some super, uh, there were, well, there were reports of, of extreme tension in Kansas City's locker room. But I just think that there's a lot of chinks in this uh, in this indestructible Rams armor that, that... I Well, I really think that's only kind of that linebacker, to be honest, because their secondary, I mean, obviously, like, they might not, like, personality, and, like, that's the only thing that would really bring them down is it being a bad personality. Well, they had to get rid of Alec Ogletree, too, to yeah, Alec, clear room for these contracts that they're going to have to give out to yeah, Aaron Donald. No, that's, that's what I'm too. saying. Like, they're, line, they're weak at linebacker, but John Johnson, who was a great rookie safety last year out of BC, him and LaMarcus Joyner, you got them at safety, and then uh, Keep to leave Mark Peters we were talking about, and then Nikel Roby Coleman, the Trojan boy, who is great in the slot. I, I just this team, I don't, I have a hard time seeing them taking a, a downward turn. To be honest, the first eight weeks of the season, you're at the Raiders on Monday Night Football. I think that could be a loss. Like Monday Night Football in Oakland, first week of the season, you host the Cardinals, should probably be a win. But then you have games against the Chargers, Vikings, and Seahawks three weeks in a row, which I think could be three pretty easy losses. You got to go to Denver, which is never easy. Then you have the Niners at home and they could be really hot. And then you got to play the Packers too. Then you go on a stretch where you play the Saints, Seahawks, Chiefs, Lions. You get the Bears, but then you also have to play the Eagles. I mean, this team is playing legit NFL teams this year, which is why I would like to put in the prophecy that they're going to go below 500. Wow. Wow. I love that. I think I think the Rams are going to be a below 500 team. In 2018, throw it in the throw it on the scroll. Yeah, I will. Yeah, throw I, it on the I, scroll. I, I like that a lot. I don't know if I necessarily have the stones to come out here and say that they're going to go below 500, but I, I like them. I definitely do not. I like them surfing around eight and eight or maybe nine and seven because I don't like their quarterback. I think that there are chinks in their defense that I haven't necessarily discovered yet, but we will discover as the season goes on. And I think that the overall, like we talked about with organizational hubris, I wouldn't call it that because I don't think it's that. But this whole McVay bubble with mm-hmm. the less need and like kind of we can do no wrong a little bit here. There's there's something wrong with it. Like we're just gonna bring in Sue to leave and Marcus Peters. Yeah, and, and, and we're gonna and, and it's gonna Brandon Cooks and it just works. Turn into yeah. wins. All this talk about prophecies and everything makes me want to get into these predictions because I want to see if you're the one below. Let's hop in. Let's hop in. Let's hop in. Tommy, why don't you just start us off here? I'll start. I'll start it off. I'm going to pick the Rams to win the division. <laughs> I love it. If the Niners had a little bit more talent, um, I would definitely be picking them. But I think the Rams just made too many moves, and I, I think they're going to continue on that success and at least get 10, 10 wins in the season. So I'm going to have them as the number one team. I'm going to have the Niners as the number two team. And I, I have a lot of faith in uh, Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan, and I think that they're going to overcome some of the – flaws that they have on their defense and just number three I'm gonna have the Seahawks kind of a down year for them uh, I don't really know what kind of direction they're going into but Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll that's gonna win you games you're, you're gonna get at least seven wins probably um, and then at number four I'm gonna have the Arizona Cardinals who I think probably are gonna get six wins and I think this is gonna be a very competitive division 
Clip, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I, I'm going to have the Seahawks going back up top in the NFC West. I'm just taking Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson against everyone else. Um, I think going into Seattle still is a hard thing to do in the NFL, and I just like them to kind of have a bounce back here and reclaim their spot. Uh, I'm going to have the San Francisco 49ers finishing second. I just like Jimmy G um, a lot as a player. I like Kyle Shanahan. I think they can have a really good year, especially you know coming in the last place last year. They're going to have a pretty nice schedule, you know, able to uh, – Get some wins against some teams that you know the rest of the division doesn't have to play, and then I'm um, gonna have the Rams coming in seven and nine, coming in third, and the the Cardinals coming in last. I like that. I, I'm gonna go ahead and, and stick the 49ers at that one spot. Woo! I think there's a lot wow. to be. I think there's a lot to be excited about in San Francisco. I think they have an elite defensive player and leader in Richard Sherman, and an elite offensive player and leader in Jimmy Garoppolo, which is. Really, I think, huge in the NFL these days. I think the two running back system is really going to work wonders for them. The Seahawks are going to go second in this division. Uh, again, like Adam said, I'm, I'm taking Russell Wilson. I'm taking Pete Carroll. I think they've got some young dudes that, uh, that are going to really get after it and really want to win. I like the Griffin bros. Uh, and I think, like I said in the Seattle review, that a lot of these dudes that we don't know about have started games and have proven that they can play a little bit. I'm going to throw the Rams in at third and the Cardinals in at fourth. A part of me wanted to stick the Cardinals at three somehow, but I just don't really see see Arizona putting it all together quite yet. I think Wilkes is going to be a good defensive head coach, but I don't think the Cardinals necessarily have enough right now to really, really compete in this division. So I'm going Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cards. Very nice. This I think the NFC West is going to be very interesting to me this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I yeah. think yeah. There's a, the, just I think Jimmy G coming in really is making it more interesting mm-hmm. than in, than in years past. Without a doubt. And so uh, I just I, I think it's going to be a really fun one to watch. It's interesting because the NFC West we had the Chargers were kind of all of our favorites, and now I think yeah we're split across the board, pick different. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up Thank our, our NFC West. Thanks for listening, fellas.